You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 491. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP491. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people, Amy here, and if you've been hanging out with me for the last couple of weeks, you know that we are doing a series around worthiness. And the last four episodes have all been centered around this theme of enoughness and how it informs all of these other areas of our life. So the first episode that we did was around worthiness and how it's applicable to boundaries or speaking up. We also talked about the difference between feeling not enough and actually believing that you are not enough. And that one was really targeting emotional intelligence and how our feelings will pop up and make us feel as though we're not enough, not worthy, but how that doesn't necessarily have to be true and how to untangle that from a deep-seated belief about your enoughness. We also talked on episode 489 about the connection between the subconscious mind and believing that you are not enough. So what is the influence or the connection with that subconscious element? And how does that show up in our personal development? Like when we're trying to change how we feel about ourselves, what is the role of the subconscious mind? That piece is really, really huge. And then last week, we talked about how it applies to perfectionism. I know that many of you out there struggle with different types of behavioral tactics like people-pleasing or perfectionism, and we don't always see the direct connection with a belief that we might have about our enoughness. If you haven't caught any of those episodes, please be sure to check them out. I'll also be sure to link them into the show notes. This week, however, we're going to be looking at self-worth, a strong sense of self-worth and enoughness, and how that informs your relationships. Because I'll tell you what, a lot of times when someone comes to work with me or joins my worthy program, which is my signature program, there's typically an area where it quote unquote hurts. It's either I'm really struggling in my marriage, in my relationship, or I'm having a really difficult time with family members and communicating with them. I am really wanting to start a new job or start a business, but I know that my belief in myself or believing that I actually deserve that or that I'm capable of that is infringing on me. So usually there's sort of this external element that is shining the light on how we view ourselves. And I cannot tell you how many people 
will come to work with me. And once they're able to shift the belief at that deep level that they are deserving, that they are enough, that they do matter, that they are capable, that changes all of the things in their life that they used to tolerate that's making their job a shit ton harder. So there are some very real costs to you believing in yourself. Sometimes there is collateral damage because I will tell you, there will be folks in your life who prefer a disempowered version of you. They prefer the people-pleasing version of you, the person who will give and give and give to everyone else. And once you become empowered and emboldened, they're like, hmm, I don't know if I love this version of you. And it becomes very telling who is in your corner and who is not. But the flip side of that is you start attracting really incredible people So we're going to be digging into six different ways that a strong self-worth really affects all of your relationships, not just your intimate partnership, but also your friendships, your work colleagues. And a lot of it is going to be opening your eyes around what you have tolerated thus far. Here's the thing that we're not often clued in on. Our culture, our society raises us, teaches us that all of this outside stuff, the accumulation of a home and a car and a great job and a perfect relationship and 2.5 kids and all of the toys and, and all of the vacations. And once we have accumulated all of that, then we must be happy. We're teed up from for that from a very, very young age. How many of you grew up in a situation where your parents said, just f- follow your heart? Oh, you don't want to go to school? You want to be an artist? Amazing. Follow your heart. No, we are groomed to believe that the path to happiness happens when you have a solid education, when you have a really great and powerful job. And when you are partnered, that you can't possibly be fulfilled, especially as a woman, without being in a partnership and having babies. We are starting to see a lot of stuff shifting around that. But historically, there has been one primary path for women. And a majority of that has been around taking care of other people. So if you have found yourself in this perspective of I need to be better and I need to be perfect and I need to prove my worth. And if I take care of everyone in my life, maybe then I will be happy. You are not alone. You're not alone, my friend. Of course, we would think that. That's how we've been conditioned throughout the entirety of our life. But I want to talk about once we've changed our relationship with ourself outside of all of these other things, once we've shifted that element, we become so unbelievably unstoppable. Let's talk about some of the ways that things start to shift. So number one, when you're really anchored into a strong self-worth, you tend to stop disregarding or second-guessing your needs. Again, this comes back to our conditioning. And I know for myself, 
I was told from a very early age, like, of course, children are going to be in your future. Of course, that's what you do. You get married. That's your goal. You want to have the big, gorgeous princess wedding. Thank you, Disney. But there's also a much more sinister thing that happens to our belief system. And it is that there's a hierarchy to who can be trusted. So if you are in a situation where you are a marginalized identity, like a woman compared to the male population, we tend to defer to men as being the ones who know. So no wonder we get stuck in relationships where we feel like, oh gosh, I must be the problem. I think it's one of the reasons why the term gaslighting has been become so prevalent in our culture because we're finally able to put a name to some of the experiences that we've had with employers or our fathers or the people that we've dated. And what we do inadvertently without our understanding or consent is we start to second guess all of our gut responses, our intuition, and we defer to someone else to make those decisions for us. But when you are truly anchored in that self-worth, then you don't question that intuition nearly as much. You're able to rest assuredly on your own internal compass. You also may find that you don't search out as much external advice as you may once have needed. I've seen people who had to run things by their entire inner circle before they made a decision. They didn't trust themselves because all of their upbringing and all of their experience has been telling them that they cannot trust themselves. And you also start to notice any inequities in your relationships. For example, maybe you are the one who always plans events with your group of friends or with your best friend or with your family. You start realizing, holy shit, if I wasn't putting in the effort into this relationship, it might not exist at all. And you're able to see those pink flags for what they are. And sometimes you've been trying to convince yourself to look at those pink flags, those red, those crimson flags, and convince yourself that they are actually green. No, nothing to see here. Not a problem. It must be me. I'm asking too much. I'm overthinking it. I'm such a worry ward. I'm And we take all of these things that we ascribe to ourselves to say, I must be the problem. But when you know in your soul that you are enough, that you are deserving of the things that you want in your life, you see those pink flags for what they are, a warning sign before they get to a red flag. And once they are a red flag, you are like, abort mission. I am not tolerating this bullshit anymore. Which actually brings me into point number two. It becomes so much easier to speak up for yourself and establish boundaries. It's really not dissimilar to any other skill that you have learned. In fact, I remember, gosh, I was probably six or seven. I was learning how to ride a bike for the very first time at my childhood bestie's house. Hi, Molly, if you're listening. And I remember thinking, There is no way 
I am ever going to be able to do this. I was wobbling around on this bike with with the training wheels on the back. And I, I remember my tiny little head thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this. And that is what it is like when you very first realize that there are boundaries you need to establish, that maybe you've leaned way too heavily on people-pleasing or perfectionism to get by, and you're seeing that those things are not going to necessarily equate happiness for you. So we're getting on this path. We're going to start changing stuff. We're reading books. We're listening to podcasts. And we're thinking, holy shit, there's never going to be a point when I'm able to just speak up for myself and it just comes out naturally. So when I work with students and clients, I tell them change happens very similarly to the way that a headache goes away. You don't have a moment where the clouds part and you all of a sudden feel like, I'm worthy, I'm enough, I'm capable. The same way you don't have a definitive moment where you're like, boom, headache gone. What happens is you go to play with your kids or you go to do a workout And as you're doing it, you're like, oh, shit, my head doesn't hurt anymore. And you sort of realize it after the fact, after you're immersed into a new activity. And that is exactly what happens when you start nurturing a sense of self-worth. It's not like, again, the clouds part and you are, are now ordained with enoughness. Doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But what does happen is you see yourself engage with other people in your life in a completely different way. I can't tell you how many students I've had who've said, I couldn't believe I said that. I was looking around going, like, who said that? Oh, my God, it was me. But the skill of speaking up for yourself or establishing a boundary is not innate. It's not something that you're just born with. In fact, like I mentioned prior, most of us have been conditioned otherwise with idioms like don't rock the boat, sweep it under the rug, don't open up a can of worms. And all of those are designed to tell women, shut the fuck up, stay in your place. We don't want to hear how you feel about things. We don't want to see you step into your power. I've mentioned this before in this series that believing in our own enoughness is one of the biggest middle fingers to oppression. So in a culture that says men are better than women, right, we're going to put the man's name first. We're going to have forefathers, not foremothers. We're going to ascribe the pronoun of he, him to our gods and our deities. If you're filling out a form, the box to check mail is always first. We get all of these messages in our culture, in our society, that women are less than. Therefore, if we have the audacity to stand in our motherfucking power and believe in our own worth, that's the biggest fuck you to oppression. Think about all of the women who are creating change in this world. Think about the people who had to be the first woman who got a medical degree or the first woman who was on the Supreme Court. Those women had to believe that they were just as powerful, just as worthy, just as enough as anyone else who's come before them. So number two, it becomes easier and easier to speak up for yourself, to establish boundaries, to advocate for yourself when you are anchored in a really strong sense of self-worth. 
Number three, we've danced around this a little bit, but your bullshit tolerance gets real low real quick. So the things that you used to tolerate from your in-laws, from your boss, from your coworkers, from your friends or even family, you start seeing that for what it is. You see things that are unfair or not okay or disrespectful or outright acrimonious and rude, and you don't tolerate it anymore. It becomes so much more difficult for you to, quote, sweep it under the rug because it gets more and more insidious. It gets more and more frustrating, and you cannot just let it go anymore. And there is a a process that happens. I see it all the time with my worthy students where it becomes how bad am I going to stand it? How bad can I stand it? And that tolerance gets low and lower and lower and lower. And then finally, you flip the script. Here's what I mean by that. I remember years and years and years ago when I was in my early 20s and I was getting my start in makeup artistry. I was working at a makeup artistry school And I had to get my nerve up to really advocate for myself and speak up for myself with my employer. And at the time, speaking up felt like it was going to be the most painful thing ever. And it became like that felt so incredibly difficult. And I remember that at the time being terrified to speak up. Now, flash forward, God, 20-some years later – I have flipped that so that I cannot remain silent. Now, being quiet hurts way more. So if I know that I need to say something to my mom or I need to say something to my partner or my bestie, it physically hurts. It hurts to squash it. I have to get it out of my body. And that is the flip that we are looking to create. Not that you love all of a sudden having difficult conversations, but that you are so anchored in your self-worth that you are not willing to tolerate that behavior from that other person anymore. It's too painful to allow it. You become more acutely aware of any toxic behavior or people in your life. You begin to see things so much clearer and faster. So things that you may have ruminated on for like three or four months Now it's maybe a couple of days or a week at most. So even your sort of incubation period (laughs) of being frustrated about a certain situation gets much, much lower. So things that may have taken you out for months, again, now shift into just maybe a couple of days. We don't become immune to hardship. We just don't get taken out by it the way that we used to. I remember very, very clearly a time when it became almost automatic for me. I remember it so clearly. It was probably in about 2015. I was talking with my mom, who many of you know, we have very polarized beliefs about all this shit that matters, right? (laughs) Religion and spirituality, et cetera. And we were talking about the upcoming election. This was before, right before Trump got elected. And I remember her saying something that was very much projecting guilt onto me, saying things like, well, it really breaks my heart that you view things like that. And I could really clearly see that it was her issue, her shit, and it was my choice whether I took that on or not. 
And that was the first moment that I remember it being automatic. And I had already been teaching personal development for years. But I had to really work with my tools consistently and constantly before it became automatic. And that was the moment when it just came out. And I was like, hey, listen, I need you to know that that goes both ways. And that's not an acceptable thing for you to be saying to me. And I wasn't reactive. I didn't have to gear up and have my notes with me and be super prepared the way I had to in the past. It had finally become the new normal. But I think for so many of us, because we're in a culture that wants immediate gratification, we want to pop the pill and be better. We want our food to be fast. We want everything to be an immediate remedy. That we don't like the idea of conditioning a new behavior over a longer period of time. But that is what it truly takes. It's also one of the reasons why I work with people in longer increments. You may have heard me talk about my Worthy program. And at the time of this recording, we only have two available spots. By the time this episode airs, which will be on the 11th of September, I have no idea if those spots will still be available or not. I have a handful of interview connection calls with would-be students of Worthy prior to this airing. But if you are hearing it, we left it in probably for a reason. And if you are interested, I would encourage you to go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy to learn all about this incredibly comprehensive program. Because the things that I am talking about today are the things that I have seen transpire for my clients and students. I've watched them find it so difficult to actually speak up and then flip that ratio where now all of a sudden it's way harder to stay quiet. Like I cannot keep it inside any longer. I've watched people believe that the problem is getting their partner to love them and then realizing that the partner is the person they need to shed, that they need to get out of their life. I've watched people feel like they have to run everything by me at the beginning because they don't trust themselves. They're always second guessing. And then getting to a point where they're like, no, I don't I don't need to run it by Amy. I've got it. Because they believe that they are capable. They believe in their enoughness. They believe that they don't have to take care of absolutely everyone else unless they want to. And now that come from is completely differently motivated. Here's the deal about Worthy if you're interested. This is not for the faint of heart. It is a nine-month deep dive. It is no fucking joke. We are going to dig into familial patterns. We're going to be looking at parental wounds, healing the mother-father wound, inner child work, attachment styles, core value systems, emotional acuity and intelligence. We're going to be looking at completely altering, disempowering beliefs and anchoring in powerful, strong beliefs that you do want to attach to. We talk a ton about finessing your communication, dealing with boundaries, saying no, and doing all of that without this cloak of guilt hanging over you. Not to mention that this program includes two, not one, yes, two, (laughs) all-inclusive in 
person retreats. The first retreat is going to be in December at a gorgeous lakeside estate in northern North Carolina. It's right at the North Carolina-Virginia border. And then in May, we're going to go to a breathtaking, beautiful boutique resort in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Let me tell you, this place is second to none. In fact, I've still stayed in contact with one of the gals who works there. The the staff was just unparalleled. It was phenomenal. So a nine-month program, imagine, just imagine if you've gotten benefit from listening to a podcast here or there. And again, I think about my podcast more like more like an appetizer and then worthy is kind of like getting together for drinks and then having an appetizer and then having a full like seven course meal and then having coffee afterwards and having dessert and having maybe a drink after like it is so much more involved and you will have so much more mentorship directly from me i'm only taking eight people because i like that intimacy and i want to be able to know everyone's inner workings of their life And again, like I said, only a few spots remain potentially by the time that this lands in your podcast feed. Go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Check out the resort locations, the retreats that I've got scheduled. Make sure that the dates work for you. Check out the investment and commitment that's required. And if it is calling to you, if you're reading it going, yes, yes, this is me. These are the things I need to change. I need to let go of this perfectionism and death grip on control and people pleasing and taking care of putting everyone else in front of me and talking mad shit to myself the entire time, then fill out an application and then your next step will be to jump on a call with me. We'll do a a small interview call just to make sure it's a great fit for you. And then we can get you signed up if it's the right choice. So again, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. So we've got three so far, right? Three things that are going to shift when you're really anchored into a strong sense of self-worth. You tend to stop disregarding or second-guessing your needs. It becomes much easier to speak up and establish boundaries. And you are also noticing that your bullshit tolerance is starting to get a lot lower. Then we move into number four. You begin to shift from chronic blame into self-care. And this is really about acknowledging what is and is not your responsibility. And I will tell you that a majority of people prior to doing work on themselves in this arena think that they are the one who is broken. They are the one who has the issue. No one else really has this problem. If only I could get my shit together. And because of that, because we don't feel as though we have any personal power, We tend to blame other people. Like everything would be fine in my marriage if my partner would just get their shit together. Or my workplace would be fantastic if Susan in accounting was just not so overbearing and domineering. Or our family get-togethers could be so fantastic if my dad would just get his head out of his ass. So we keep focusing on that other person, how shitty that other person is. Like blame, 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 resentment, resentment, resentment. But when you can see that behavior for what it is, that it's their way of trying to cope with how they see themselves, you start to realize, oh, that's not my responsibility to remedy. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to show up in a way that I am proud of me. Full stop. And how I am received 
is not necessarily my business. Now, how we are received is going to be across the board. Some people in your life may love that you are gaining a really true sense of self-worth. Some people might be indifferent. They might be kind of like, okay, you know, good for you. And then there are others, like I talked about earlier, who don't prefer the empowered version of you. They prefer the people pleaser. But when you are able to stand firmly in the belief that I am enough, you start seeing that responsibility through a different lens and you realize, okay, their poor behavior is for them to manage. And again, because you are so astute at establishing boundaries, you're able to speak up and create that distance that you need. Number five, you can navigate hardship, rejection, and criticism without being destroyed. There's an incredible quote that I actually have printed inside the worksheets for my worthy women. And it's a quote by Madonna. And it says, power is being told you are not loved and not being destroyed by it. Power is being told you are not loved and not being destroyed by it. It's not that it's not going to hurt. It's not that you aren't going to have to figure things out or have a good cry or maybe lose yourself in some Ben and Jerry's. But it's not going to take your ass out. It's not, I can't survive without that person's love. It's, wow, without that person's love, things hurt. I need to process this. But it no longer becomes, that must mean I'm not lovable. That must mean I'm not worthy. It instead means this hurts. I'm going through an emotional letdown. We have emotions that feel much better than others, but we don't have to equate that with our worth. And if you tend to fall into that cycle, make sure you go back and listen specifically to episode, which one was it? 488 in this series where I talk about sort of the the feelings that we experience where we we say oh this must mean I'm not lovable or I'm not enough you've probably heard me tell this story a number of times I remember years ago I was auditioning for a play and I wanted a very specific role and to be quite transparent I thought I had it in the bag shocker I did not get it and I was really really bummed And because I had done so much of this work and I did believe in my own intrinsic worth, I was able to mourn the loss of something that I wanted. And I cried and cried and cried. And I was sad because I did not attain something that I wanted. But I was not crying and I was not upset because I thought I was not valuable or I'm not enough. I was simply crying because I did not get something that I really wanted. And that is something that dramatically shifts when you do believe that you are enough. And still to this day, that's exactly how I navigate my emotions. Things that bring a ton of positive euphoric emotions, like creating a new friendship or being able to go do something really awesome with Mr. Smith, those things bring an emotional currency of happiness or excitement or joy or bliss But they don't mean, okay, you are enough now, or okay, that must mean you are lovable. No, they are simply adding to my life in some way. My worth is not contingent on those things happening. And the same is true for things that we experience that are uncomfortable, like rejection, criticism, 
or being told you're not loved. So number five, you begin to navigate hardship, rejection, and criticism without being destroyed. Now, one of the best benefits that I have seen is number six, you start to attract the most incredible people into your life. Because once you are boundaried and you are not allowing toxic behavior in your world and you're really clear about who is supporting you and who is not, you start to free up so much more space. You start to engage with people who are on this same sort of journey. And I will be so honest with you, I do not have anyone in my life who is an energy vampire or who is a taker. I just don't tolerate it. All of the people in my life, I highly revere. I look up to them. I respect them. I want to be around them. They're incredible humans. I feel so unbelievably rich in my relationships. But a lot of that has to do with me believing that I deserve those people in my life because I know that I am worthy and I am worth those types of intimate connections. And I'll tell you what. It has happened on multiple, multiple occasions where somebody comes to work with me. I've actually had this with students in my programs where, again, they want to be loved by their partner. They, they want to fix the relationship. Help me fix this relationship. And as they start seeing themselves differently, they actually start seeing their own worth and their own value. And they see this behavior from other people and they go, that is not acceptable anymore how so many of them kick those relationships to the curb. And then what? And then we have freed up so much more emotional bandwidth to usher in people who light you up and make your job easy. No one's ever going to make you worthy. You're the only one who can decide that. But you sure as shit can have people in your life who make your job a shit ton easier. All right, so there you have it. Six ways that a strong sense of self-worth affects your relationship. Let's go through them really quickly one more time. Number one, you tend to stop disregarding or second-guessing your needs. And really what that is is self-trust. Number two, it becomes easier and easier to speak up for yourself and establish boundaries. Number three, your bullshit tolerance gets real low. You're not allowing anyone to walk all over you or say unacceptable things any longer. Number four, you shift from a chronic blame and resentment place into self-care. Like, okay, they are not my responsibility. What do I need to do to take care of me? What's mine to clean up? And you allow their responsibility to be theirs. Number five, you navigate hardship, rejection, and criticism without being destroyed, not without being affected. Of course, we're going to feel the breadth of our human emotion, but it doesn't have to take us out. And finally, number six, you start to attract the most incredible humans into your life. Now, if you've been listening to this and you've been like, oh shit, I need a ton more guidance around this, please check out Worthy. Go have a, a read through it. Just see if it might be the right solution for you. Have a read through some of the testimonials of previous students I've worked with. Let me tell you that they all tend to have this belief, I'm sure you've heard me mention it, of I'm uniquely broken. Everyone else, I'm sure that your work can apply to everyone else, but no, not me. And I like to say, well, you're not exempt from the science. It's applicable to all of us. 
Again, you can find that at amygreensmith.com slash worthy, and you can very clearly see how to submit an application. And I will be right back in your feed next week. So please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.